Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm, and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. I'm very excited to have on the show today, Ms. Akinya Aboga. We've met only recently through a mutual friend, and the beauty of Calgary, which we've just been discussing, is how easy it is to meet amazing people in such such a city that is open and warm that way, and and really celebrating our town and what it, and what it can do, but also what we can do better. So today we're going to lean in on a topic of diversity, inclusion, and belonging. So Akinya, good morning, and welcome on the show. Good morning, Tyler. Thank you very much for having me. It was, it's an absolute pleasure. I was very excited to have you on. And as a business owner, as a human living in these, in these interesting times, it's time for change. And it, it has been for a while and it will be into the future. And having conversations about real conversations about real things, I think is what this show is all about. And certainly something that gets me out of bed in the morning. So let's maybe start a little bit. Give us a little bit of your background. Give us a little bit about what your business is. And then we'll get into the nuts and bolts of, you know, let's unpack what diversity, inclusion, and belonging mean and how as business owners and humans, we can, we can do better. Okay, so as you've heard, my name is Evelyn Akini Aboka. I'm originally from Kenya. I moved to Calgary in 2012. I currently run an organization uh, known as Capability Career Group, where I do career and academic advising. Um, on the side, we also have a social justice uh, department, and that's where our diversity, inclusion, and belonging comes in. What we do in that program, we basically reach out to organization and remind them that, hey, look, there is uh, discrimination and racism happening in this area. It's happening within our organizations. How do we get to know about it? How do we get to, uh, to address it as a society? And before addressing, we also have to Walk in the path, walk in the feet of people who are facing discrimination on a daily basis, not necessarily uh, going through what uh, is happening in the society today, where you hear black people say, oh, black lives matter. But on the other end, uh, we are met with all lives matter. While ideally what we are saying is, hey, look, I, I am in trouble. I need your help. But then uh, everybody comes back and say, but we think everybody is in trouble, <laughs> even right. though there is no supporting evidence for that. So we realize at Capability Career Group that these responses, these responses um, are somewhat within us. We've built them for so many years. Uh, one thing I didn't say is that I'm taking justice studies at Royal Rhodes University as well. And one of the programs we did was um, how, how to address conflict. And you realize that when we are faced with conflict as human beings, we have three ways to respond. We are either going to be accommodative or we are going to be competitive or we are going to avoid it. So when I see people come and say that, oh, all lives matter, it looks to me that there is a conflict in the heart. They know that what black people are going through is bad, but they could be having their own issues too. 
that perhaps we do not know about that they wish to be resolved. And then now we find a competition where they are not accepting our mission because they do have a mission. They do have an agenda that they want to push through. But unfortunately, we do not know of those agendas. We do not know of those missions. And we will be really glad to come in and help. So instead of being uh, competitive or avoiding our message altogether, all we are looking for at this point is souls that are accommodative, souls that are saying that, hey, look, I do not know what you're going through, but I want to walk with you. Something you have said to me when we were chatting earlier today was how much vulnerability and that it takes to say that. Just the simple words, I don't know. I think that can be very challenging for a lot of people. And, you know, if we're going to speak about an organization, there is, and I've had many, many guests on talking about the myth of the leader who has all the answers, the myth of the leader who never gets it wrong and how that's just not true. But yet for an organization to step up and say, you know what? It feels very vulnerable and it feels like you're opening yourself up to criticism, which either it's going to happen either way. That's, I think that's an illusion to say, you know what? We have challenges here. We don't know. I, as a leader, I'm not sure because I grew up in a certain environment. I grew up with a certain set of beliefs. And you and I chatted about that as well. The diversity and growing up in Canada, sometimes we grew up in a very monocultured society where we see and experience certain things. Now, all of a sudden, as leaders, we're being forced to go, you know what? There's other ways to look at the world. I'm not sure how to do that. That's It's easy to say on this podcast, I do empathize that it can be challenging to do in real life. So I'm assuming that's something you encounter in organizations on a regular basis. Yes, I do encounter that. And I like it when I see a leader come up to me and say, you know what, uh, Evelyn, I do not know what is going on or how you people as a community have lived with these atrocities what I do know is that I do not approve and I want to I wanna be part of it. I don't know how, but I want to be part of it. You tell me how you want me to be part of it. And I've had organizations come in like, you know, uh, we met at Work Nicer. So Work Nicer, we, we, we ended up having an agreement where they're like, we like what you're doing in the community. And so we want to bring you in to have this space. So you kind of see those kind of support mm -hmm. so that you, your, your goal and your mission that you're, you're pursuing gets to the various places that I really want them to go. Uh, interesting. So yeah. maybe for the audience, because this is such a broad topic, to give it a little bit of context to it and to break it down into maybe you know, the goal is that someone can listen to the show and then walk away going, okay, you know, I understand how this part. So even the three terms that you and I have been talking about, I think are getting, getting, are being part of our everyday lingo, but I don't know if they're always understood. And I don't mean, and you and I joke, this is not the, the dictionary definition, but actual, the real life practical, just diversity, inclusion, and belonging, just even as a little bit of structure for our conversation. Can you walk us through, like, you know, when I'm an org I'm an organizational leader, mid-level manager, I want more diversity in real life terms. And what does that mean? Or how could you define those three terms in a way that feels very, maybe a little more practical than just looking it up on, on the internet? Okay. So I'll, I'll just go step by step. So diversity to me is having ex uh, variations existence of variation within, uh, you know, a certain environment within your office. 
even within ourselves as human beings, if you go deeper, there is need for us to be diverse. And uh, I think we were having a conversation earlier on where you were telling me about how you appreciate growing up in, in the East and you, you had to be bilingual. You see, the, what diversity does is that it makes you to see other aspects that you will not have seen. Hmm. And in this case, uh, at an organization level, is why don't we have a millennial manager? Why don't we have a black manager? Why don't we have a Chinese manager? You start asking yourself those questions. Like you, you go about it by rocking the boat. Leading <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Almost making it permissible to rock the boat because that's what's required for change. <laughs> oh, yes. You, you, you have to rock the boat. And as leaders, we have to remember that our leadership, if it doesn't involve that vulnerability of just saying, you know what, I'm your leader, you expect this of me, but I'm going to be taking this other step. You may not be ready for it. Just like Justin Trudeau is saying, is doing, you know, he was at the protest, he knelt down and that really touched my heart. I was like, this is a world leader demonstrating to his people that we have a problem here. He's coming in without the knowledge of really what we go through. But he's already opening up his mindset. His mindset is becoming diverse. It's like, okay, what will just by just by going, okay, I don't understand the problem, but I'm but I believe that it's that you're that it's happening. And it's almost like uh, and, you know, I do appreciate just just saying, okay, like cause then it comes it becomes moves from accommodating, moves from competitive potentially or avoiding to accommodating just by saying, I get that something's going on here. I'm open to learning more versus putting up resistance right away, which is so easy to do. We do it to protect ourselves. Like almost like it's it's all it's literally a defense mechanism sometimes before we even realize it's happening. Exactly. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, hmm. our div- the diversity that we are looking for first, even before you bring the different colors in your organization, we're looking for diverse mindset. And I love the fact that you said mindset, because if you think about an organization and you think about, let's just take the last seven months, forget about the, just the pace of change, the amount of complex problems that an organization is needing to solve. And nobody's off the, like big companies aren't safe, small companies aren't safe. Everyone is being disrupted, whether it's from the pandemic, whether it's from technology, it's definitely from technology. No matter what, you've got to have different mindsets, diverse belief structures at the table to solve these complex problems. So I love what you said, like don't make it about necessarily diversity as a color or as a group, but think about it as different mindsets to solve and contribute to a bigger, to a bigger goal. That to me, that's a, that's a, that's a non-starter. Like you, you have to do that to survive in today's world of business. Oh yeah. When we have the mindset right, everything will follow through. Hmm. Versus the old way, and I've had some other guests on recently that talked about in the 80s and 90s, there was diversity checklists. Like, 
there was really a number. Do we have this many women? Do we have this many people of color? Do we have this many LGBTQ? Uh, it, and she said it was never about truly inclusion, which is maybe a good segue to the next. It was about checking a visual diversity checklist, not actually creating new mindsets because inclusion is where that starts to shift. Is that Am I correct to kind of draw that into the next, to have those mindsets, but then actually include them at the table? Or am I making that too literal? Oh, yes. No, that's how it's supposed to be. And when I'm talking about mindset, you know, diverse mindset is, you know, the news tells you that a black man is, is trouble. <laughs> what if a black man is not trouble? Because I'm a black woman and I know that my brothers are not trouble. <laughs> it change, changes immediately when we start thinking about real people not just blanket statements we hear on the news like let's be honest at the end of the day it's human to human but we put people in categories because it over it's basically stereotyping and we oversimplify and it gives us no learning like learning stops the second you start believing the stereotype to be the only option yes and uh the the media tells you that you know a black woman is noisy and crazy what if i'm just a leader <laughs> <laughs> yes. what, what, what if you, what if people give you a chance to find out how you actually you are as an individual <laughs> and so when you talk about when you work with the organizations and you work through diversity and they start to understand that and so i'm making it sound like it's in that order i don't know if that's correct right is it is it in that order or is it in a different is it a, is does it just show up depending on where people and organizations you know, bringing this back to diversity and inclusion at work and belonging at work is it in a certain order that it tends to happen in your experience or does it really vary based on the group so what happens is that I give people an opportunity to write down what they have been told or what they know, what they've been accustomed to know about black people. And so this is going to be, this is like, um, I won't know who wrote what. Okay. But I'm, I'm, I start with the conversation reminding them that leadership is about vulnerability. And I want you to be as vulnerable enough to tell me. And I've read things. I've read things that, because um, um, I come back and read them out loud to the group. And wow, that I can't. I'm just sitting in that, in that, in that for a moment of what that can. I'm. A, I can only imagine what must show up on that. Sometimes that's that's got to be some tough stuff to work through for the, for everyone. Yes, it's a lot, but you know what, Tyler? It has to be done because I'm letting people go into their deepest, darkest places, and if you want to bring healing, if you want to bring healing, you gotta let people you know, confront the enemy from within. And I let them know that this is a safe place. We are doing this because I care for you. If I was another black woman, I wouldn't be here standing and reading all these horrible things you've written about black people. But I do it because I understand that the healing that we need as a community of black people is going to involve you. And if that healing means that you go to the darkest, deepest places that you did not put there. One thing I have, we have to understand, Tyler, is that all these things, it starts from the school system where you are taught, um, that we taught about racism. And I've been trying to dig deep into the reason why people are taught about racism here. Because trust me, in Africa, we're not being taught about racism. And I applaud our leaders there because they knew that the moment they start teaching us about racism, it was going to bring our self-worth down. 
And that is what it's doing to the black children here in Canada, in America, and across the world where we keep on bringing the stories of, oh, we were so powerful enough to take away your ancestors. It keeps on bringing that message that you are my subject. I can do anything that I want to you. That's so interesting. I've never thought about it. Again, growing up in a certain system, you just, you know, and as a child, you get taught certain things and you you create beliefs. But to hear just the dynamic of that you're not taught that in Africa in a different way because of, that's so interesting. It makes total sense the way you've laid it out. I've just never heard it presented that way. We're not. I started hearing about racism when I moved to Canada in 2012 as an adult. Can you imagine? As an adult. And I can't, as I keep on digging through it, my heart breaks all the time. So I can't imagine what the black people who grew up and had to go through a system that teaches them all this thing, how they carry themselves every day, how they wake up every day and show up. Like it's, it's a lot. It's a lot on their shoulders. So mindset variety of mindsets this is what we're gonna need to be able to to you know bring change of all these uh, discrimination that we see going around and uh, the next one is gonna be inclusion so inclusion is just all about you know including people within a group but then even that you know i have a photo that i was planning to to post on my linkedin today it has um, it's a garlic clove with one piece of mandarin. So one piece of garlic mm-hmm. clove taken out. Mm-hmm. And mandarin is there. Do you get the picture? I do. Yes, I, I'm picture. I'm laughing because I'm picturing it now. Yes, I do. Yes. I'd lo- so yeah, the I, mandarin yeah. fits in there. Do you think it belongs? Hmm. It's been included. Yes. <laughs> I'm immediately thinking of what amazing recipe I'm going to make that has garlic and mandarin in it. That's where I was going. To be honest, that's where my head was. Through COVID, I got into cooking, and so I can clearly it's more than I realized. <laughs> yes, but if you bring it back to the whole inclusion, you know, yes, you can include people, but I think the main thing is make them belong. Make them belong. You you can invite me to to your party, right? But then you have your your inner circle of friends who yes. go into your room and you you're ha- you're taking selfies and all that. So when we are including people in our organizations, are we just including them for a show or to check a box and say, oh, we have five black people working in our organizations? Or all of a sudden you see organizations coming out and they're like, oh, we have... Uh, an indigenous board member in our organization, or we have an indigenous, uh, an African board member in our organization. If you ask me, Taylor, these are not even things to be proud about. They're things that once you do, you should not even post it because it tells the world that you had been doing it wrong and now you feel you're getting it right. No, that's not it. You're doing it for a show. I want you to show me where these people were included in a board. They have a voice. They're actually deciding on things. They're actually making ideas. They're they're giving ideas on what projects can be done within the organizations. And you're actually supporting them. 
I'm not saying that uh, new people, minorities being invited into organizations should just come up with crazy ideas. But <laughs> no, I, yes, and I think it's good to quantify that this is still based on. Yeah, absolutely. That's, a, that's a very good point. Values and you know your values and nations and all that because as a black person, you know sometimes you'd have like wonderful ideas, and if you want to grow as a company, you need those diverse ideas. But if you keep mm-hmm. pushing them down and say no, we can't do this. No, we can't. We're not moving anywhere. We're not solving anything in your organization. And worst of all, we're not solving anything at the society level. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to hear you talk about inclusion and belonging, uh, aside from like you know diversity as 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 what it was. But when I think about organizations in general over the years. There has there's a challenge with that. Like forget forget even race race as a conversation. Let's think about just different levels of the organization not feeling included, not feeling like they're part of it, that it's the ivory tower and that, you know, the old boys club making all the decisions and everyone else just has to go along for the ride. I think there's an opportunity across companies at all levels to be more inclusive because there's younger generations of all ethnic and and diversities of all kinds that are not feeling included or feeling that they belong in that company aside you know just by the fact that maybe ageism maybe level of experience like oh you're young what what, what how much can your opinion actually matter? I think there's many layers of that in an organization that need that can be changed because I believe that there's white people in organizations that are feeling that same way about the companies they work at as well, which shows an even bigger, deeper, broader problem. Very true. Very so true. Thinking, of, thinking about it from, I know, and we're talking about it from this perspective, but if you just think about our society in general, we're so exclusive and we can be so, just your, your, the image of the group of friends in the room doing the selfie and alienating everyone else who's not included. Like all of a sudden race doesn't, isn't as much of a factor that anyone can feel not included or not belonging in a situation like that. Uh, And then you add in racial diversity or uh, anything, backgrounds, LGBTQ, it just compounds the fact that you feel like you're not part of that group. You're the orange in the, you're, you're the Mandarin in the, in the garlic. (laughs) In the garlic. I got that vision of it. You have to post it now because it's in my mind. It's on my mind now. I've I've already drawn the picture in my head. (laughs) I will post it. So, and, and you look at, uh, you know, the, the actions that we're talking about here. So, you know, these, where we feel like, oh, we are a certain group, we are the big boys club, or we're talking about ageism, we're talking about generational differences. So for anybody out there who still do not believe that racism exists in Canada, I'm going to just give you this as a challenge, that when you see a society's mind being in a position to put themselves in those groups, trust me, That is a society that is capable of racism. That is a society that is discriminative. It is a fact. And denying it, avoiding the whole thing, or being competitive about it is is really not going to help us in the long run. So we do have a problem here. We do have Mm -hmm. racism happening here. Well, the first step in any kind of situation is admitting that we can, you know... even admitting we have a problem, I know that's hard for some people. Admit, just admit we can do better. Let's let's start with that one. I would, I think that that would at least get us moving in the right direction. Yeah. So when you go into organizations and you see, I guess I'm always putting myself in. I'm an audience member. I'm listening right now, and our, my organization. We've been talking about it, but we don't know where to start, or we don't know how to act, or we've you know run a survey. And I was recently talking to a senior leader and a relatively you know mid-sized company here, and they said, you know. 
we did we did a survey. We used a you know a, a proper proper format, and like wow, you need to be very prepared for what comes back because as a leader, you thought you were doing okay, you're like you're not. And they said now we're at this place of like we don't know what to do next. So from that perspective, I guess what advice or if someone's listening, how do you get started down this path, knowing that it is a journey, it's not a checkbox item. Okay, so one of the things that I have to remind uh, organizational leaders is the liability aspect of these conversations. Mm. You can, you know, there are organizations that are saying, oh, we're going to let our HR department handle it. (laughs) That right there, you've put yourself (laughs) in trouble because the way these conversations, the way we carry these conversations as capability career group, we first of all make sure that there is no victim and there is no oppressor. Oh, interesting. Okay. Conversation. We are having open conversation and that gives people an opportunity to open up. And even the, the papers that I pass around and they write back to me, those ones are information that they couldn't give to me unless I have set the scene of comfort. Yes. Well, you created a safe space for that to happen. Exactly. So creating that safe space, it takes a lot of skill. So for an organization thinking of doing this, first of all, check yourself out. I know (laughs) organizations like to do checkbox, but check yourself out from doing that work. It's safer (laughs) for you because people, first of all, they want to hear from people who are going through the same thing or it's difficult for somebody to come and uh, sue me when all I'm talking about is a conversation mm, within right. the group. It's not like me saying this, that, oh, you did this, you did this, you did that. No, mm-hmm. we are having a conversation that like, just like we're doing here. And getting employees to have a conversation is not an easy job. No, it's not. There's so many beliefs and cultural biases inside the organization of what speaking up even means and like what, no, no, we're creating a safe dialogue, but everybody knows last time somebody created a safe dialogue, somebody got fired. Like there's always like those things exist in organizations for sure. It's real. Exactly. And worst of all is when your own member, one, one of your leadership is the one spearheading these conversations. So that one Mm. is a no, 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 never do it by yourself. And then secondly, maybe this one should have come first. Like your organization did a research, you know, and uh, you, you, you came to a point and said, you know what, we have problem. We have to, we have to bring in somebody to help us fix this. So at a leadership perspective, maybe start having, uh, call a first meeting and ask about how your employees feel about the events that have been happening around them, especially the events of May. You know, yes. how, how did you feel? How, how, how do you guys feel about racism? They may not respond, but if you are in counseling, silence can always mean that there is need for more. 
Right. Yes. And do you, do you recommend that the, like doing a survey? Is this a, is this a town hall? Are these one-on-one conversations with men? Like getting to the, I know there's people listening going, well, tell, I know I need to know what exactly to do. Cause sometimes, you know, we want to know like step, what step one is. Step one is, you know, look at thyself. I hear, I'm hearing that line of clear, but step two, do you recommend things like as, as tactical as sending out a survey in the organization, a well-constructed survey? I'm very, I'm a big fan of surveys that are done well. I'm a very anti-surveys that are done poorly, which I think a lot of them are. It's the survey itself can be a checkbox, and I think that's very dangerous. But is that is that a tactic you've seen as a way to start opening up and giving people maybe an anonymous way to respond? It's a tough conversation, Art Highlight, to to mm-hmm. really uh, be specific. It's very tough, like to know what direction is going to work, yeah. because people are handling these things differently. What if you have a survey, but your group of employees, uh, first of all, let's look at race as something conflicting. It's conflicting within ourselves. It's something Mm -hmm. we are battling within. So if your team is a bunch of avoiders, you're not going to get anything from that. They're just (laughs) going to look at that email and they won't respond. (laughs) And what about calling a town hall? That might even be tricky because now everybody is there and it's face to face and anybody can see who is saying what and they don't feel like they're in a safe place because based on the relationship that uh, dynamics in an organization so that's another tricky one <laughs> yep yes it is <laughs> i uh, i'm i'm sitting here without a, a, an answer so that's why i kind of threw out all the, the i threw out the obvious the, you know the usual suspects we'll have a town hall yeah. um we'll have a one on one with your manager but what if your manager actually is part of the the problem yeah. we'll send her to survey that is the survey has got full of landmines and problematic and so you know it feels a bit you know challenging as a business leader and i'm putting myself in the position of someone listening going what can i do tomorrow it's challenging because we also we're so action oriented in our society especially i believe as canadians in western canada we're like hey let's get her done what comes next i'm just going to get after it but it's like it's not that easy <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, I, that almost minimizes the fact that there's a lot of thinking needs to go in to even understand how you're approaching it based on where your organization and even you are at as the leadership team, as individuals. From what I've seen with uh, organizations that I've worked with before, mm-hmm. it was the leaders taking the initiative. They're like, you know what? I feel wrong about this. Hmm. Would you be willing to come and talk to us? I'm not sure of the processes that they go through after they contact me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But all I know is I do come in and I do send an email earlier on laying out how the environment is going to be, reminding them that this is going to be a safe environment for everybody and uh, you you are free to to speak up and we'll we'll be writing down... uh, uh, stuff and passing them around so nobody will know who is talking about what but trust me they do talk so the big yeah, one yes, the yeah. is the leadership but now then we go back to the part where you were saying what if the leadership is the problem <laughs> and hmm. now, yes. hmm, that, feel, that feels inherently like we just got stopped in our tracks yes but then now i think now this is where uh employees could come in and you know uh, 
reach out to a manager and say, okay, I'm hearing this is going on. Uh, there, there are some trainings going on in the city about diversity and inclusion and belonging. And uh, I feel like our team would, would just love to learn something about it. You know, when it comes from one employee and then perhaps the employee has a, has a group of voters behind him or her, <laughs> then things start to happen if uh, it's in case where the manager is not uh, leading as they should. But I hope that is not the case with most organizations, especially right now. Mm-hmm. Have you seen, you know, you mentioned May, the world has been just, everything is up for debate. The world is being pulled out from under us as as humans, as as leaders, as, you know, contributors in our society. From COVID to, you know, being in Calgary, obviously we've got economic challenges. Uh, the events of May that's really brought this racial conversation to a, a different level of, of, of everyday, you know, conversation for all of us. What have you seen in Calgary? Like getting back, this is a podcast about Calgary. We're talking about a very broad issue. But I are you seeing companies in Calgary reach out or like, do you have hope? Do you have faith? Are you seeing movements like, you know, the Canadian racism with a smile as I've had another guest very um, <laughs> profoundly share is that's Canada. Have you seen a change in Calgary? Are we, are we are the proverbial we as leaders and businesses and a culture? Are we moving in a better direction? Have you seen any changes? Yes. I would say I've seen a lot of changes because I've done almost 10 workshops since May. Excellent. Okay. And that's, yeah, that's a very, like speaking of checkboxes, yes. 10, 10, 10 organizations or 10 groups of people have reached out and said, we want to learn more. Step yes, one. Yes. And uh, there are organizations with over 20, 30 people, you know, so okay. yeah, we can use a checkbox. We are allowed to use a checkbox there. That's <laughs> okay. great. And uh, the other thing that I'm noticing is an awareness. There is an awareness and I, I wouldn't say it's just Calgary. Uh, I, I school in Victoria, BC. And when okay. I was back in school in, uh, in August, y- you could see like people are becoming more aware of their surrounding and with issues related to race. Mm-hmm. And somebody will come to me and, uh, to, in the classroom and say, Evelyn, God, I, I read about this and this and this. I just can't believe that they used to lynch people and uh, white folks would go there and watch it. Like, I'm so disappointed in my people. But I'm like, you know what? It's not you. They didn't know better. We know better. And I, 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 do, I, I do appreciate that, that the generational guilt, which I think is, it's something to be aware of and something to look at, but it doesn't necessarily move us forward to be ashamed or embarrassed, which I think is, I'm not saying that's wrong, yeah. but something that happened three gen, like my grandparents and your grandparents didn't get along. That doesn't mean that you and I can't get along. <laughs> like I do want to, I like that you, you and I, I think when we first chatted, you said that, like we have to give ourselves permission that that wasn't us. We can learn from it. We have, we must learn from it, yeah. but we don't need to carry all of that guilt around because that might not be healthy either that's true and uh, and it brings me back to a conversation that uh, somebody asked me uh, when the protests were going on and you know as a black woman and uh, i was in all the protests in calgary and i really really thank the city of calgary you know it was all colors i have photos up to date sometimes i just you know, pull them up and look at them and i cry Mm. and they are good tears because i saw black 
white, all colors, Asians, all communities in Calgary, they were there and they had messages. And, you know, one says that I'm here, I may not understand, but I stand with you. I, I I appreciate that. I don't I don't know. I, I I'm 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 present. I showed up. <laughs> I may not understand the pain, Eva, mm-hmm. but I stand with you. So you know all those awareness going on, and we're talking about history. You know our ancestors didn't know better. Hmm. They messed up. You're looking at even the creation of the country, Canada. It's it's created in in uh, in pain for the indigenous people. Yes, ab- yes, absolutely. We have we very much have our own history that yes. that I think is 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 not is 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 far from yet resolved either. Yes, it's 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 so painful, and I know about this because we take these classes in in school, and mm-hmm. very and the things you're reading, Tyler, and you go you you can't sleep for days. You're like, how <laughs> did we let this happen as a society? But uh, yep. and now we have people coming up and say, you know what? We gotta clear this history when they're protesting. We don't want these statues and all that. Mm-hmm. I do not Well yes, let's be very careful what we're celebrating, right? And understanding what, yeah. and looking at it for what it actually was, which is sometimes sometimes we celebrate a story, but as the truth comes out, that story maybe isn't what it was originally presented to be. Yes. And uh, you know, McDonald is a great man. He took he took risk to build a country. Mm-hmm. He took risk with the with the knowledge that he had at that point. That was the better knowledge. He did not know better, but he created a country. We have mm-hmm. to honor and respect that. We cannot say that now we're gonna go to the streets and pluck out every sculpture or any structure that represents the founding fathers. Yes, these structures bring pain to the indigenous people. They bring pain to the black people. But when we are talking about conflict mitigations, we have to mitigate a conflict in a way that serves both parties. Because when we are breaking sculptures, now we are now fighting. We're starting a new fight with the Caucasians who may not even want to fight with us. This is not the mission. My idea, we can take these sculptures and keep them somewhere, create a museum for them. Let there be history told about these sculptures that, okay, this is so-and-so sculpture. It used to stand on such and such a street. We celebrate this person as one, two, for one, two, three, and four. But we must also remember that this person did one, two, three, and four wrong. When we Hmm. have that there, the generations to come have something to look into so that we don't fall into the same mistakes. If we yes. eradicate it now, we, we, we break it and it's no longer there, we are erasing that history. You can't erase history. History erased is history that is likely to be repeated. Uh, yes, well said. Very well. Yes, as I'm 
That's absolutely it's like it's only a waste if you don't learn from it. <laughs> and by eradicating it and 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 disappearing it, essentially the cancel culture that we live in now a little bit as well, it disappears. And then all of a sudden, a couple of generations from now, we start slipping back to old old mistakes because there isn't that learning held front and center. And that learning is uncomfortable, and we're so scared to be uncomfortable, even when it's for good outcomes. And I think that's something that that to lean in on something like, "Ooh, that makes me really uncomfortable," but that's okay. That uncomfortableness will keep you from doing it again. <laughs> Yes. If we know, and I, we're so scared of that, we shy away from that so much. I think it actually hurts us in the long run. Yes, it does. and these are conversations we should have. You know, I I want white people to come out and say, you know what, we want these structures, we want these statues. As a black woman, I'm fighting for these structures to stand. I want my children in the future to learn about those structures. I want them to still learn about the founding fathers, the great founding fathers of these nations that created something for us. Yes, they didn't do it in a right way. And I, I want to apologize for the indigenous community who are listening to me right now. I want you to know that I have your interest at heart. And the, the stability of this nation depends on us. Because right now, as indigenous people and black people, I know that we are so connected and we can bring a lot of change in this country. But mm. it's going to need a lot of wisdom. And one of the wisdom is seeing the value of the sacrifices. Yes, the sacrifices came with the deaths and you know atrocities that I don't even want to talk about. But it is through going through these uh, hurtful and deep hurting places that we're going to find healing as a nation and move together. And Canada, Canada is destined to do great things. If we are going to follow the footsteps of Justin Trudeau, I know he may not be the perfect leader for everyone. He might be flawed. But I commend that man for the work he is doing, especially at this time with COVID and the country always being almost being torn apart because of the Black Lives Matter and discrimination against the uh, indigenous people that has gone on for over 400 years. Mm -hmm. The guy is doing a great job. And change, and we all know that change is hard because it's worth it. And, you know, the, you can be for, you can be against, and, you know, we get into the government side of what's happening in our world right now, East versus West and all of these polarizations. Change is going to be difficult. And as a leader, being the one, it, as an organization or as a nation who's willing to step up and take those risks, it's tough because you're going to have as many, you know, detractors as you are uh, supporters. And being willing to do it is because you know it's the greater good that you're accomplishing. And I think that's a great lesson for leaders and organizations where you've got to put yourself out there. And leading by example isn't the best way, it's the only way. And, you know, when I hear you celebrating the things that Justin Trudeau's done, it's because he's taken a knee as an example and taken the risk knowing that that wasn't going to be popular with everyone. And that is not an easy task for anyone to make at any level. Even if it's just you and a group of friends, it's still miniature versions of that same risk you're taking to say, you know what? I'm no longer okay with the status quo. I'm no longer okay with this way we've done it up till now. And if you do that in a family setting, those can be very tough. They can be very, you know, and as a, as humans, we strive not to be alienated from the group and being willing to take that risk because 
thousands of years ago, it meant starving in the wilderness alone. And I don't think, you know, our brains have not evolved that much in terms of the sense of wanting to feel in, back to inclusion. Yep. It's been a survival tool from the from day one, <laughs> if you want to bring it back to our, our natures. <laughs> There's a need to belong. I want to belong, yes. so I'm not going to rock this boat, even though I know yes. something is wrong. <laughs> There's something wrong with the boat? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to rock oh. it more. It's going to break apart and I'm not ready for that. And this is the fear we have as a society. And somebody was asking me, do you think, uh, and this is my Caucasian friend, do you think that maybe people are not accepting this whole Black Lives Matter thing because they think that black people are going to come back and do the same things that they did to black people? I'm like, hell no. Look at me. I'm an, I am an awakened soul. I am aware of what I want for my humanity. I don't think my generation is going to go out there and start attacking people for what? For what? But, fe- but, but fear is often irrational and often built on a story that we tell ourselves in our mind. And to even have your friend be able to ask you that question because it feels so crazy to have to ask it or like, what? Why would you think that? But if that's an irrational fear, get it out there. Like, let's talk about it. Because most most fear will not sustain reality, but it stays inside our heads. And we, you know, it's kind of the old joke, you can't fix the secret. You're going to be scared of something if you never address it or never talk about it, because the story just keeps getting bigger and bigger. We're, very, we're so creative yeah. <laughs> with, with, with things we're scared of. And we build, we end up building this uh, big castle of something that does not even exist. Like in the black <laughs> yes. community, Tyler, what we are thinking about is that we want safety for our boys. Hmm. We want safety for our children. I have a friend whose whose brother was killed um, at an alley of a convenience store two years ago. He was killed by the police here in Calgary. Oh, really? Oh. Nothing has been done to date. The family is being turned from one place to another. The issue is not being addressed. There are no body cameras showing anything. All they know is that the man was shot by the police who said that the the boy wanted to attack him. And is now the police word against a dead man. And we're not even being told, we're not even being shown the face of this police, not even names. And as a community, we live with fear because we don't know if this man who is presenting himself as a police officer has other agendas that are rather Mm -hmm. not about protecting the community. And we fear for our boy children, you know, It's difficult. I don't have children yet, but I'm already in my mind. I have a list that I will will be giving my son as soon as he turns nine, because I know he's going to be super tall. And if he's as tall as mommy, by nine, somebody will assume he's perhaps 15. So even if he's joking, he can't even joke around around convenience stores. Hmm. That would mean his life ending. Like imagine living in a life where I have to watch my back, even though I know I'm not involved in any criminal activities. When I go out with my man, I have to take every receipt, Tyler. It doesn't matter whether I pay or my man pays, because that could be the only thing that could 
help me prove that I was not in a place of crime. Because all it takes for bright black people is somebody coming and saying, oh, he was a tall guy wearing a hood, a hood and a black jeans or a blue jeans. All black men does that. Even some black women. Oh, it's not. Yeah, I'm laughing because it's so how ridiculous how ridiculous it is when you when you hear you lay it out like that, and to think about like what what forget about race, forget about like, what everyone could want at the most basic level is safety and the ability to be safe and have their families safe and to not feel that way and to grow up as a white man in Canada. I didn't have that belief structure. I didn't walk around with that belief. I know I didn't. So to now think about it and to think about the conversations I've been having and to really understand that just because I didn't experience it doesn't mean other people aren't just at that most simple level. And it sounds so elementary to say, but that's where it all starts to go. That wasn't my experience, but I need to respect and understand that it was yours. And I want to be part of changing that for generations in the future. We can't, we can't change the past, but we can, like you said, we damn well better learn from it. (laughs) And I, I can't imagine the reason why every black man and woman is always wearing a hoodie and, uh, jeans and the hoodie head is always on, is because we are always cold. (laughs) But that one is also a reason why you could be brought into the cell to be identified. And if the guy or the woman who is identifying you doesn't have their diversity lens on, that's how you end up in prison serving life. And these are tough things for black parents to think of in the city. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough. Where we had, in, I don't know if you've watched the movie the the Central Six. Is it the Central Six or Central Seven? No, I have not actually. So this is a movie about teenage boys in Central. Oh Square. yes, I I have I've watched the trailer. It's on my list to watch, but no, I have not watched it. You will- yes, I know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking oh about. My yes. God. It's, on, it's on the list. It's sure. crazy. It's crazy, and that is a reality. That that movie is not just being like done like to make it crazy. This is the reality. Oh, uh, Evelyn, we have had a very diverse conversation today. <laughs> We've included many topics and I really appreciate your passion, your experience, and more importantly, your perspective that you bring to it as, as someone who's you know, grown up with an incredible amount of diversity around her than to come to Canada and to see what we're dealing with here. And then rather than to pull away from it, you've leaned in and built a business and a career and clearly a passion around helping the world around you be better than it was yesterday. And I, I commend you and elevate you. And so glad that we got to have a chat on this podcast. I, as I always joke, I would I would have had this conversation if no one else is listening, but the bonus is that, that we do have a great audience and they will listen. And they are leaders, managers, active business people in our community in Calgary, people that can contribute to change with their own families, but also on a broader organizational level. And to me, that that's all we can do is just keep moving this story forward and taking action, changing our own beliefs, or taking stock of our own beliefs and creating different outcomes from the people in our lives. And over time, we will create a better world, a better version of what we have now. I appreciate you for that, Tyler. I believe. Well, it's my pleasure. What's, what's the best, hey, what's the best way? I really hope people are, are sitting there in their own moment right now, but their next action is to reach out to you. What is the best way for someone to reach out, get a hold of you, talk to you about potentially coming in and doing a workshop, which to me sounds like a fantastic first start, first step. Okay, so I'm currently based on 17th Avenue. Our office is just on top of uh, the National. 
Uh, and you're and you're part of the Work Nicer community, which yeah. is a great. I love what they're doing with everything that their Alex and his team are doing here in uh, in in Calgary. It's amazing, and uh, so you can also find me on LinkedIn. It's Eve Aboka Greece. Eve Aboka Greece on LinkedIn. And Perfect. We'll we'll add some links as well to the show to make it really easy for people to just click and boom, go there. Yes. So we'll, we'll do everything we can on our side to also help promote and get people to, into having a conversation with you. I was absolutely wonderful. I really, I really loved it. You've really set my day on a nursing path. I've got a lot of thoughts moving through my mind and I thank you for that. Thank you very much for having me, Tyler. I really had a wonderful time. It was an absolute pleasure and I look forward to chatting with you again. I, I, I see a follow-up episode here in the next six months, maybe just to see how we're doing and what you're seeing. I, I, I see this might be a frequent segment we need to have on the show. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, we like you you asked earlier on, how is Calgary responding? And like I said, the leaders are doing great. And it's I believe it's going to get better and better and better. And uh, these yes, are I think we're on a good path. we must have. We can't avoid them anymore. And the vulnerability that comes with them, we needed that to bring us back to being humans. <laughs> yes, that, that is a very, very warm note to end on, back to where we're all humans, having a human experience. And it can sometimes be a bit messy. Yep. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>